Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. However, you got our show today by downloading from our website at techcentral.ie or using your smartphone podcast app or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Thank you for turning us on. My name is Dusty Rhodes. Joining me as ever is Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. Today we're talking about a new broadband, super fast broadband for Ireland. Uh, Facebook in trouble again. Um, but to try and squeeze in some Spotify news if we can uh, and we're also going to be talking about the biggest Irish gaming event of the year uh, which is taking place uh, next week more about that later but first Niall Kitson virtual reality uh, we were talking about last week of course uh, stuff was coming out of Barcelona and we were waiting for a price from HTC uh, for their virtual reality unit we have more details we have more details we we more than that, as, as such, we have pre-orders. Um, the HTC Vive is now on pre-order through the website and will go on a general release on the 5th of, of April. Uh, now, the Vive is a little bit more elaborate than um, the Oculus Rift. Okay, With the, with the Rift, you get um, the headset with the built-in um, headphones, you get a microphone, and you get two Xbox controllers, okay? Okay. So it's still kind of a stationary experience. The Vive, in contrast, gives you two wall sensors. So it's kind of meant to be you're standing up, you're walking around, you're you're interacting a bit more with your environment, um, which is very cool. I like it a lot. However, where the um, uh, the Rift is starting at, uh, I think it's $599. I oh. don't know exactly what oh, that translates I, I, if into. You, if you're getting it at price, essentially what you're saying is uh, the Samsung VR, which, we, which we've seen, is a bit of a toy. All right, It's more of a, this is what's possible. kind of, And even Samsung will tell you that. Um, uh, the, 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 uh, the Rift is kind of like, it's yes, it's a really good version, but you're still tied to a computer. And, you know, But this one from HTC is pretty much as good as it gets these days, yeah? Uh, for the moment, yeah, I think that's actually quite, quite a fair comment, actually, yeah. Okay, so the uh, Rift however, is 599 What kind of a price are we yeah. looking at for the uh, for the Vive? Oh, God, you're going to love this. Uh, for the whole system, without without delivery, it is €899. Euro. Now, does that include the actual PC that it runs on? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the uh, wonderfully high spec PC, which you will doubtless have to buy to get the most out of it, is not included. Oddly enough, uh, Oculus is running a program with Asus, uh, Dell, and Alienware. Alienware is pretty much Dell anyway, um, where they they have a program and a, a range of computers that are coming out with the Oculus Rift bundled with it. So you're like, okay, here is here is a good machine that will run the Rift, and and here it is for you. And that's those are clocking in at starting at around fifteen hundred euro. Um, so at least that's that's a benchmark. You know, that's something that will get the thing into your into your hands and on your head. Um, this is just you know eight hundred ninety nine euro for for a first generation product, knowing that you'll have to buy a, a probably have to buy a, a PC a new PC to keep up with it, or cer- certainly upgrade your graphics capability. Um, much as I enjoyed using it when I did, um, there aren't enough applications out there for me to enjoy the, to uh, ah, now, uh, justify the expense. Niall Kitson, you little dark horse, as much as you enjoyed using it when you did, you have actual firm, personal, up-close and personal uh, experience of this. Tell all. 
Yeah, it's it's actually really good. Um, it's I was uh, I, I was brought in and uh, just before Christmas, I think it was, and I had, I had a full trial, and uh, I was in a, a quite a large room, and they had the two sensors set up. And uh, whenever I walked within, say, three feet of one of the walls, a little grid started showing up, just showing through the actual image that I was looking at, very holodeck style. Mm. You know, and that was just a, a little warning to, you know, you're not up against the wall, but step back. <laughs> so that was that was very cool that it was completely aware of where I was and also meant that when I was um doing the uh, the three um, demos that they had, hmm. I had a really good range of movement about the place. And what did so, you think of the demos? Um, well, the one that impressed me the most was I was standing on the bow of a sunken uh, ship. And uh, I was down at the bottom of the ocean and I was looking basically off a cliff. <laughs> and it's amazing how little it takes for your brain to process something as being real. So as far as I was concerned, I was stuck in a ship leaning over a precipice and there were fish flying around that I could pat my hand at and all that sort of uh, and stuff. And you were starting to feel a bit woozy, were you? Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. That's and insane. It's, it's amazing. It really is amazing. But you had a similar experience when you tried the gear. Uh, VR, did you know? I, I I love the Gear VR, and uh, I I was very impressed by it. Um, I'm trying to think back uh, to the to the demo. The, the demo was kind of like uh, as if I was flying over a, a safari in in South Africa somewhere, and we mm. were chasing a hippo, or a rhino, or a giraffe, or something like that. And I just remember kind of like being able, seeing this animal running in front of me, and then being able to look to the left and to the right, and then behind me, and I was like, wow, this is something else. That's the bit that really kind of stuck in my mind um mm. but then but that kind of thing that, that if that's the best thing that the htc kind of offered you as a demo it's pretty cool but it's not practical and what i saw of the samsung was pretty cool but it's not practical i am absolutely bowled over with the other story that's out this week and particularly because it's an irish story is the samsung gear vr this is the cheapest one this is the one that was it's a toy right 200 quid but they've come up with a new application which is absolutely stunning and i hate to say this and i'm very surprised that it's all to do with estate agents yeah, I know. It's kind of mundane when you think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's but, like, what? <laughs> yeah, basically what Samsung have done is they've developed a virtual reality platform with uh, Sherry Fitzgerald, the estate agents. And they are looking to sell a development in Lucan that I gather it's not actually finished yet. Um, so what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to look through the, the VR You'll be able to get a sense of what the space is like, what the rooms are like, what the place is going to be like when it's entirely finished. So, I mean, it's not for, you know, your everyday state. This is, this is apparently quite high-end housing development. But if you wanted to get into city planning or anything like that, um, what a great idea. You know, they, and I think augmented reality projects have been working on this basis for quite a while when you're looking at city planning. Mm. So it'd be a case of, you know... You, Looking down a road, what will this road look like in 20 years, say, if we had a hotel on this side or if we had a conference center on this side or if we widen the street? You know, that's sort of the benefit of augmented reality. When you're, you're looking at things, how, might, how they might look compared to what they do look. When you're in virtual reality, you're, you can be shifting entire walls around. You can be changing design almost on the fly, really, if mm-hmm. it. And, and, you can be getting feedback from people walking through a house going, you know what, that bathroom is too small. 
Or it could be great for um, uh, people who are redesigning their own house. I, I love I know it, it sounds silly, but I, I like watching grand designs. And I love the bit at the start where they've got the computer animation of, well, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> um, and to actually, you know, if you were a, a designer of some de- description, you were able to put your plans and thoughts and ideas down on a computer or a laptop and then transfer that to a Samsung uh, gear and then actually put the on, on the head of whoever your client is and say, have a look around. What do you think of the new house? Yeah, yeah. It's, you, know, you would never have to leave these state agents' office. <laughs> well, I think you still can't beat reality, but to be able mm-hmm. to do that, that's a real proper, serious, practical application of virtual reality. And I love it. Um, uh, there's another new story out this week about the uh, Microsoft HoloLens. Now, you, you mentioned HoloDeck. This is a HoloLens. This strikes me as being a kind of a, a virtual reality, but it's projected over real life. I'm, have I got it right on this or... Well, yeah, I mean, it's augmented reality. It's, it's sort of what I was describing there earlier. Mm. And the, the cool thing about um, augmented reality over virtual reality is that you can take a problem that's in front of you and deconstruct it into its component parts without actually losing uh, any sort of um, contact with the problem as it is. But, but there's also sort of the, the lovely mixed reality element where you can sort of, uh, with some of the games where you can have aliens coming out of your walls, or uh, all this kind of sort of not, kind of novel stuff, but I think augmented reality has lots of really good applications in um, planning in medical. Uh, I find it a little bit less of an attractor for gaming because it requires it doesn't give you that fully immersive uh, suspension of dis- disbelief, escape from reality kind of a thing. You know, uh, for me, augmented reality is much more of a problem solving kind of technology um and all the better for it i think it's i think it's fantastic or, or um, even just on a um a, there's one thing maybe because i like uh, uh aviation and stuff like that i've got flight radar on my uh, on my phone and one of the things you can do with that is you can point the camera at a plane in the sky and flight radar will tell you well that's what that plane is and that's what height it's at and uh, that's where it's going and that's where it left from yeah what what a perfect use for, of uh, of the Hololens for that. And what's what's pretty cool is that um, Microsoft have released a, a developer kit for it. So if you're in the US and part of their uh, Windows Insider program, from the 30th of March, you will be able to get a Hololens for three thousand um, dollars. And the system specs are kind of interesting. Uh, you need um, uh, the Hololens itself comes with a, a custom 32-bit processor. 2 gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of storage and a 2 megapixel um, video camera. That's not a lot. You know, that, those are fairly modest specs when you think about it. But then you have to attach it to a PC as well, yeah? Yeah, but I mean, mo- most of the processing will be, will be done in headset. Like, you're, you're not actually wired up to a, to, the, to a PC in the same way that you are with, uh, mm. with the Rift, you know? And I like the way they're putting it. I think Microsoft are quite clever the last couple of years. They're, they're putting this out as a developer product first. So then the developers could go, oh, man, it's cool. What if we could do this? And, of course, they're the very people who will go off and make it happen. Uh, and then by the time it gets to, you know, kind of Joe Soap like me, it'll just be amazing. Yeah, and that's that's how Oculus really built up their their hype with the Rift as well. If somebody had said to you a couple of years ago, "Yay, virtual reality," you would have gone, "Yay, nineteen nineties, not not great then, probably not going to be great now." Uh, and yet, everybody is really excited about this technology, and it goes back just to having the the, the Rift pretty much on Kickstarter and uh, just letting the developers build the hype from there. 
Let's get away from virtual reality and back into reality. And uh, Air Telecom, Aaron, or, or Air as they are now, uh, known these days, I still hate that name, are bringing 100,000 homes in Ireland a one gigabyte internet service. Yeah, gigabit broadband is is coming to uh, is coming to the countryside. Um, that's that's slightly um, glib the way I put it, but it's actually true. This is what's happening. Uh, you remember last year we were um, talking about uh, the Vodafone ESB project, um, Cyro, yeah, uh, and the way that they were targeting small towns uh, around Ireland to roll out gigabit broadband, and they were using the infrastructure they were using was um, the power lines. Uh, well, now Air is getting its its um, uh, its stuff together, and it is now starting to roll out gigabit broadband in uh, also in rural areas. Uh, they reckon over the coming year they will get roughly a hundred thousand home, homes and businesses connected up to their um, new fibre network uh, by 2020. They reckon they will have 1.9 million premises so this is pretty much a nationwide rollout um but really they're saying look we're we understand that the cities are well looked after as as cyro have said uh you know let's let's go to these other areas so you're starting to see smaller operators uh as well as the big guys so you've got the cyros but you've also got the likes of uh enet as well um uh, coming coming in and saying okay. look we've got these gigabit Fiber offerings. So basically, you're kind of giving us a little warning when we see the story splattered all over the weekend press um, that, yes, Air are able to bring one gigabit service uh, to the country, um, but they're only starting off with 100,000 homes, which is, uh, it's not even 10%, it's maybe 5%. No, but but they are going to places that mm. there isn't the, a market there as such, if, so, you, if you understand my meaning. Knock to offer in County Kilkenny will get something. That's the, that's the reasoning. Excellent. Now, Excellent. for anyone listening in October, it's not a promise <laughs> on our part. <laughs> well, well actually, no. I, the reason why I'm saying that was because even in the cities, and this has happened, this has been my experience with uh, uh, Virgin, uh, whatever they call these days, UPC, uh, Cable Link, I'm showing my age. And uh, they quite often will have their fibre service available on one road, but not on the next road. Uh, Like I had it at home, but and I wanted to get it uh, in work, which is like I mean, it's in the heart of Dublin too. It's right; it's it's about as central as you can get, and they couldn't Mm. provide it there. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's insane. So even though, but they are the plan is to get it out into into all the towns. That's fantastic. Tell me about uh, Facebook. Uh, Their terms and conditions are not uh, currying favor with the Germans, Uh, as usual. Facebook gets into a level in Germany, uh, rightly so. I mean, Germany is pretty good when it comes to data protection. You might remember they were um, pretty, pretty quick off the mark to get, give Google a slap on the wrist over when its um, street view cars were uh, using unsecured Wi-Fi um, people's homes, unsecured mm. Wi-Fi networks. Um, so, uh, yeah, their latest, um, their latest gripe uh, comes from, again, from the data protection end of things. And Germany's uh, federal cartel office is investigating Facebook's terms and conditions, which um, really means that it's, it's investigating not just Facebook, not just Facebook US, but also Facebook Ireland, because uh, as the uh, European base under European law, you've got to go after a company in the country in which their office resides, as opposed to suing them in any country. So if you want to sue Facebook and you're in Europe, you have to sue Facebook Ireland because that's where Facebook's office is. So um, Germany's current gripe is uh, 
all to do with Facebook's terms and conditions, right? They are saying that Facebook is a dominant player in the social media market. They can effectively change their terms and conditions to anything they want, and that's not fair. And because they're Facebook, they think they can get away with it because either the rest of the market will follow or there actually isn't enough competition in the market in what they do that people have a free choice to leave the service or try something else, right? So it's not 2005 where you had Facebook and you had MySpace and, you know, if MySpace did something that people didn't like, you'd go, well, okay, I'm just going to go with Facebook. We don't have that competition anymore. That space is sewn up. If you want to share content and talk to your friends in a specific way, you go to Facebook. If you want to share content and talk to your friends in a different way, you might go to Twitter. But the two don't really overlap. You know, Twitter only is a fraction of the user base of um, mm. Facebook. Uh, it, it only is a fraction of the features. People use it very differently. Mm. If, you so, were to give, uh, if you were to give a yes or a no answer, do you think Germany are going to get anywhere with this case with Facebook? Uh, hmm. <laughs> I don't the, the think they will way, go on the only the, way the only way is if something goes to European level uh, because you remember the last time Facebook changed its terms and conditions it became very open about what it does hmm. you know it was like here you go here's a new way to change your privacy settings we're going to make it as easy for you as possible that's probably Facebook's defense I mean, if you were to log into Facebook tomorrow and Facebook was to say, to verify your account, enter your mother's maiden name for future reference. Now, Germany's argue, argument is, okay, uh, if that is an option, fair enough, but if that is presented as a must-have as part of the Facebook sign-up mm. process, that's not on. Do you know what? I absolutely, I get the German argument and I wish them the best of luck with it um, because it's a really, really good point. But I just can't help thinking about Ticketmaster, which was the same thing. They are dominant and they literally ran the live uh, uh, music circuit and everybody was trying to sue them to get them off that. Even, even the actual artists themselves. And basically, once there is another choice out there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's only one or two percent of the market compared to your 98 percent. Once there's another choice out there. Well, then that, that defeats the argument. That's, that's why I worry about it. Anyway, listen, it's a court case, so it could, could get very complicated. Talk, talk to me about music. Actually, speaking of Ticketmaster, uh, because you did a little tip. We both have a little tip, actually, for, uh, for Spotify this week. What's your tip for Spotify online? Uh, yeah, well, Spotify is rolling out a new feature. Um, if, if you're sort of not into, um, sitting down and researching music for, for hours and hours on end, there is a, a new little feature, which Spotify is called Fresh Finds. Uh, which is kind of um, human-powered recommendations, really. Um, it's, it's kind of, the, the idea is that um, they put together kind of genres. Hmm. So say you want to find out what's new in hip-hop or electronica or, you know, guitar-driven music or something like that. Um, Fresh Finds basically curates what's, what the, the cool kids are listening to and they update every Wednesday. So it's kind of, um, Apple do kind of a, a, a similar thing. Now, Apple's big thing is, you know, everything that we do is human, hmm. right? So if, if we're recommending a band to you, it's because, you know, our, our group of tastemakers says so. You know, our Spotify is much more algorithm-driven. So it's like they're, they're giving you something that's nice and it's digestible, hmm. but it's, it's automated. 
Well, I've so, got something very, very similar. It's the Discovery Weekly playlist, which is not new music, but it's new music from me. And what it does is it kind of it looks at the kind of stuff that I've been listening to, and then it looks at all the people who've been listening to similar stuff, and it suggests to me the other stuff that other people have been listening to that I haven't been listening to, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. Okay. Uh, it's so, it's so, very like, you know, kind of, uh, uh, if you like this, other people also like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So which which do you trust, though? Uh, do you think there's any difference? If somebody was to go, here's a human-powered option, here's an algorithmic no, oh, option. I, I would go with the uh, uh, algorithm absolutely on that because there's just so much data. The, the thing I was, what I was saying about the Discover Weekly is that it is scarily accurate. Listen, speaking, right. of, speaking of being scarily accurate, one last thing for you. I've been playing with the Google Chromebook, all right, which I uh, uh, popped up and we were talking about privacy and stuff like that, all right? I looked, I set up the the, the, the Google Chromebook mm. and I put in my Google account and whatever it was, da, 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 and then uh, I just had a look at the settings. Part of the settings is uh, the Wi-Fi connection and location and the location, I swear to God, pretty much gave my address. Wow. It didn't actually say you're in this part or it wasn't a map. It actually had my address on it and i just went whoa <laughs> yeah whoa I, I, where do i find get that off <laughs> uh, god knows god only knows listen Niall, thanks for keeping us up to date with everything that's been going on this week we'll get to you before the end of the podcast for this week's one more thing this is tech central your weekly tech podcast from ireland's techcentral.ie now, next Wednesday, the biggest Irish gaming event of the year takes place at LIT in Tipperary. It's called Gamesfla. And as you can imagine, it's all things games for an entire day. To tell us more is organiser Liam Noonan, who joins me on Skype right now. Liam, this is the 13th year of Gamesfla. How did it all start? Okay, so Gamesfla actually started off on... 2004 because students were learning Java and Java is a programming language and programming language was, I suppose, they're they're difficult. It's like learning to be a wood turner. You got to sit down and, you know, graft at it and do the work. And what happened actually was that they, we, we discovered that there was this language called Robocode, which was a fun way to basically learn Java and program these software tanks to beat each other up. And we still run that to this day. It's a first-year programming competition. So suddenly there was a, a, you know, a fun way to learn corporate enterprise pro- programming languages by programming tanks in the screen and giving them, like, what do you do when you get hit? What do you do when you hit the wall? What do you do? So some people had the Conor McGregor attitude. Well, what do you do when you get hit? I hit him harder. And what happens if he hits you harder? I hit him harder again. And other guys had this kind of Muhammad Ali doper rope. Well, you know, I'll dodge and I'll run back a few feet. And if he doesn't hit me, I won't move and all this, you know. So you have all these different strategies emerging, which turns into code. And that's where it all started. And then in 2008, we developed, uh, you know, the first games degree program here in the country. And a number of other colleges very quickly followed suit. And we were like, God, there must be a way for people to, I suppose, exhibit what they're doing and, and challenge them. And we're, ha- and we're used to the idea now of hackathons and global game dance, but none of that was here in 2008. And we were the first to do it, and it, it started from there as well. Oh, I, I was about to ask you that, because an awful lot has changed over the last 10, uh, 13 years or so. What, what are the biggest shifts in gaming that you've noticed over the last decade or so? Well, number one, gameplay is still king. We have in our house, we have a 1982 Atari 2600, which my wife bought. It has the pole position. It has Lady Pac, Mrs. Pac-Man. It's all in its original boxes. And they're fun games, okay? So I think 3D is the big thing that's changed. 
Because if you, you know, like you remember the Atari 2600 in pole position and, you know, Frogger and Mario and, you know, okay, Flappy Bird's a bit like Mario. It's a, it's a classic 2D game. But I think what's really happened a lot is gameplay hasn't changed, but how we depict the games has really rapidly moved on. So what we see happening a lot here now is um, deployment of games in a 3D environment, I suppose, is the first big one. But phones have completely put that back on its head again. And now it's like, I want a really cool... Angry Birds is in 3D. Flappy Bird is in 3D. But there are games that you play on the bus. There are games you play on the train. There are games you play while you're waiting for your main course to arrive. So I think um, the big thing for us, we've seen iTunes. I think we have a lot to curse about it, but we have a lot to thank for it on the gaming side because now we can all make games and we can put them up online and we don't have to work for Microsoft to make a game anymore or work for EA to make a game anymore. We can make our own game and just put it up there. If you had a blank sheet and you could do anything you want and it would just be reality in five years' time, what would it be? And, and from the point of view of a game? Uh, yes. If I was to make a okay a game, a fun game, I think would be I think it's the whole it's the whole idea that augmented reality. It's not VR headsets. We can't walk around. I don't know if you've seen a picture of Mark Zuckerberg lately at a conference and everyone's wearing these um, VR headsets. <laughs> and it's like, okay, it looks like everyone's being cloned, you know, but it, or, what, or, I don't know, abducted by aliens or something. It's more about that as you walk around life, you're holding up your phone and you're seeing through your phone screen that behind that wall there's a, a challenge or there's something to, you know, there's a mini game or there's a reason to maybe go into this building. And, you know, you're invited to maybe learn stuff. So, like, the classic one in NAMAD was, remember that app that came out? You could hold it in front and see what was NAMAD and what wasn't NAMAD? Yes. That came out of, yeah. Well, imagine doing 1916 Rising now, walking around with your phone and holding it up in front of what would the GPO actually like? And then walking into the GPO, then being challenged to play a mini-game on negotiation or a mini-game on tower defense, which is their theme. Where do you place your soldiers? Or a mini-game mm. on, you know, how do you actually, how do you actually manage your resources and your rations? Or, you know, or, in other words, even, even better, if you gamified learning. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that's what's happening. Like a colleague of mine, Paul Keating, his PhD is on gamification. It's huge. Yeah. We had a lot of talks on it last year. We have students, you know, and I have kids and all that, and they would love to get involved. And they see about in the news in Northern Ireland how maybe kids together using Minecraft education to basically rebuild their, you know, their county, their school, their town. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's European projects where kids from different towns and backgrounds in different countries are coming together to say, how would you create your own society? What would be in your town? Where would you put the dump? Where would you put the water treatment? Where would you have the playground? You know, what kind of um, rules and ethics would you have for your society? You know? Listen, tell me, uh, Gamesla is on next week. Is it open to all? Can anybody come along? It is, but the fire officer has limited us on tickets. <laughs> so there is a free number of tickets available, and when they're gone, they're gone. There is a, a number of school tickets. So schools or you know transition years really want, want to learn about computing careers can say right. We want to bring a school. Do I have to register all thirty-three students? No, just give us one name. You know, so it's free. Yes, but you must register. Um, it's a great way to learn about careers. We have a lot of gaming startups coming down as well, mm. you know, who are in the business. Um, we have a lot of companies here spotting talent, you know, software development and gamer development talent. We have a massive FIFA 16 tournament sponsored by EA. We have other gaming tournaments. We have the 
Uh, Tom Clancy's The Division launches worldwide next Tuesday. I already have the game in my hand and the t-shirts and we have four machines set up on the day to allow you to play it and we will uh, also be talking online to the developers and feeding back to them on mm. March 9th. I so think- we have a, a lot of you know, a fun things but we also have in the afternoon all the, you know, the all the technical talks and the career talks as well in the afternoon. Great. And you've also got uh, John Romero uh, coming down as well. Uh, for people who don't know, explain who he is quickly. Godfather of Gaming, Doom, Call of Duty, Quake, Medal of Honor, anything that's 3D multiplayer is licensed from the game he invented 23 years ago. Listen, Gamesla is where it is at. If you want to go, as uh, uh, we were saying, the tickets are free, but you do need to register on the website. If you just do a quick search for Gamesla, or it's, uh, it's Gamesla.com, isn't it? Dot .ie. .ie. There you Well, I should have expected. <laughs> Gamesflad.ie or just do a search for it on Google. Uh, in the meantime, Liam, thank you so much for telling us more about it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's about it for this week's show. Now, Niall Kitson, as promised, is still here. Niall, our one more thing for this week. What is online that we didn't get to talk about in the podcast? Uh, yeah, we have a great little story on Tech Central at the moment about what the US military is doing to make better soldiers. That's all I'm going to say. All right, okay. It's definitely tech-related, and when you read about it, you will smile. So check out that on the uh, website at techcentral.ie. The place to keep in touch with Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more, as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6 p.m. on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Nile Tech Central HQ, thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.